Hey folks, it's Jeremy. You're listening to Blammo. Man, uh, <laughs> I'm recording this in a closet right now. Just gonna be honest. Gotta be transparent over here on the pod. You know, it's what you do when you're staying somewhere else. Got a bit of life on the road right now. Uh, I tell lots of folks to record audio in a closet. It's great until you do it yourself and you realize it's hard to do when you're surrounded by like, you know, some old sweaters and stuff. <laughs> anyway, all right, this week... Alex James, co-founder of the LA brand Pleasures. You're all probably super familiar with this Los Angeles brand. You've seen their name mashed through your favorite logo or all your favorite logos. Uh, They have a very like punk rock approach to fashion. Yes, and that's not a term that I love to use because everything is punk rock, right? But like Pleasures is very much a punk rock fashion brand. I mean, most of the collabs they've done are head scratchers, to be honest. And the company has a knack for being about two years ahead of what you like before you like it. Case in point, Crocs. Yep, they did that. 80s band collabs, they did that a few years ago too. You'll hear this on the pod, but Pleasures is a brand that just makes you want to dive deeper into all their influences. And they're one of the few brands that I believe is more rewarding the deeper you go. I mean that, like, I really love how clothing brands have evolved past clothes. Like, like we're some sort of like, post-clothing clothing brand. I mean this, like I don't say this tongue-in-cheek. And as you'll hear near the end, the stuff that Alex and his team are working on is, <laughs> it's insane. It's so good, I'm excited for you to hear it. Alex and I discuss his early career in the fashion industry, working at a rag house, selling vintage, the original name of the brand, and using pleasures as an educational platform. Here we go. Mr. Alex James. How in the hell are you? I'm amazing. It's the holiday season. It's Monday. Starting off the week uh, with uh, some issues at work, but we're all good. Oh, wait. Well, that's good. I mean, because you said you're amazing. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm amazing, but, you know, being at work sometimes is not. But we're, we're, <laughs> we're doing our best. Um, well, how, how, are, how is Pleasures? Because, I mean, we'll, we'll chat about, you know, you and, and what you've kind of created, but, like, you're one of the you're one of like the LA OGs that's kind of like helped bring like LA fashion like to the proper scene. I mean, like Hedy's following after all the local dudes like you guys. Uh I wouldn't give myself that much credit, but thank you. Well, other people uh, would, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um no, nah, it's just cool because like um you know, bef- before my time there was lots of streetwear brands that definitely uh kind of paved the way for us but they kind of spoke to a different language that i wasn't really vibing with you know like more like uh guns and violence and uh gratuitous sex and all this all this stuff that i'm just like all right wait that's not your vibe (laughs) and and like i'm like i'm like you know why why doesn't somebody make something that's different you know and i think that uh you know there was brands out there doing different stuff uh, maybe not LA brands, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, Pam and, you know, Stussy, obviously, you know, these sure. obviously paved the way for, uh, for other weirdos, you know, which is but cool. like Stussy, I mean, look, Stussy's dope, but yeah, I mean, there, there's something about that. Cause like, I think initially LA style, right. For lack of better term was a lot of the surf stuff and skate stuff. And it didn't really become much of a fashion brand until much later. But when it did, it was not, like you were saying, it wasn't really 
the thing everyone wanted to associate with. Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit more. I don't know. I, I felt like at the time, like if you were a brand out of L.A. pre Scott Sternberg and stuff, it was like somewhat pejorative. Like you didn't have cred, you know. True, true, and and like you know, the cred nowadays is different than it was back then. But yeah. obviously, obviously, we uh, you know we all put in our time and worked in this industry and worked for other people to kind of learn the ropes. You know, it's like uh, people just kind of make brands like overnight and like. You know, all the brands that are successful today at least have people put in their time and works for other people and kind of learned the do's and don'ts of this weird industry. Yeah, because what, what what was pre-Pleasures? Because Pleasures was like 2015, right? Correct, 2014? yeah. June, yeah. June 6th, 2015. That's the day we There you launched. go. There you go. But wh- where were you before then? You, know, you grew up in uh, New Jersey. Grew up in New Jersey. Uh, always was kind of into clothing, vintage, thrift stores. You know, New Jersey is a plethora of thrift stores. I got to work at a rag house uh, early, early back in the day and was digging through, you know, denim and kind of worked on like, um, I guess, Urban Outfitters original Ur- Urban Re- Renewal Project like a long time ago. And That's uh, huge. Can you yeah, explain what a rag house is real quick for folks that don't know? Rag House is a giant uh, recycle, uh, recycling center for clothing. So clothing gets uh, ciphered through the center, and it goes uh, th- to various different uh, buyers, charities, uh, landfills, uh, you know, incineration, whatever. You know, so it's like uh, right. it's like the it's like the graveyard of clothing, but uh, people like me try to give it new life. Right. So, uh, you know, saw, saw that I can make some money and ha- had a passion and had an eye to dig and find cool stuff and started selling uh, vintage at the first inaugural Brooklyn flea market uh, sponsored by the New York Times. Damn. Yeah. So that was Wait, like, what year is that? I think it was 2000. Shit. I don't know. 2010. Okay. Okay. So it was, it was 2008. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a while ago. Damn. Um, yeah. So, so, so started doing that and, uh, start, started to meet just, you know, different people throughout the community in Brooklyn and saw like, yo, like your eyes different. Cause it wasn't like, you know, wanted vintage. It was more like vintage that had something to say, like, uh, silhouettes, fabrics, vibe, style, all that, you know? Right, right, right. So that was kind of my gig for a while. And a friend of mine was like, Hey, uh, I'm starting a shoe company. Do you want to work uh, with me and help me develop some some leather sold shoes? And I'm like, sure. I don't know anything. Let's let's figure it out. We went out to Vietnam and spent some time Whoa. at a shoe factory and came up with some co- cool styles and uh, launched a brand called Thoroughcraft. Oh, okay. That was uh, launched launched at like Barney's, Lane Crawford, uh, a bunch of really cool stores like around the world. And, Wait, how do you uh, launch? How do you launch a brand and get there that quick? That's not that's not common. I think it was uh, early on trade shows and like getting the cosign from uh, different showrooms and stuff that saw the product because it was like unique and different. So like uh, my my business partner in that venture, Michael Wynn, uh, kind of had those connections. I was new. I was I was a new person in the industry, you know. So I just right, had some right. I just had some ideas. But that's so, that's like a make or break thing. I mean, that that's like launching a brand. I mean, it's funny because we were talking about cred. If if you launch a brand and you're at, you know, Union or Barney's or Colette 
or you know Bergdorf's like you're you're in you, you got it like the, the cred is is there like other people follow because they're gonna buy where you know the cool the cool places buy exactly and uh you know t-shirt brands now do it now do it at like dover street market it becomes like a thing right yeah dover so, street so is so a big big launching pad yeah yeah <laughs> so so you know uh started launching these leather bottom shoes and they were they're awesome and i'm like i don't really know about footwear like this but i learned in vietnam on site at the factory and had some upper ideas that i always wanted to put into the atmosphere and it kind of became this cool um project that lasted for a good two two and a half years and then uh the investor kind of said hey no no more so <laughs> so we kind of moved on from there and Damn. uh michael Michael Wynn had started a brand called Publish and Publish was like, you know, not streetwear. It had its own kind of like Orange County type of vibe. And he's like, Hey, do you want to come work with this new project with me? And I said, sure. I said, I think it could be cool. And we kind of started that, you know, jogger pant wave early 2009, 2010 yeah um, that's like kanye was bigger on the joggers and yep, then you had like yep. rob at anwar and yeah you know all types of people right where the yeah but but us pushing the you know the jogger pant as like a affordable cool like alternative for bottoms became like mm -hmm. you know like a good business for us and uh you know i had some friends at nike that were using our pants with the launch of the original fly knit shoes so that same year, the fly knit Instagram started to pop off our pants, everything kind of culminated and it became this like moment. And that's how, and that's how published got popular for a little while. Whoa. I, that did not pop up in my notes that the, yeah, the Nike yeah. that's how did, how did Nike find you? Um, basically like, you know, through, through Instagram and I had some friends that were working, working there at the time and they just said, Hey, we're going to use some of your pants in photo shoots. You know, I'm like, all right, cool. So, you know, let us know. <laughs> but, you know, cause, cause they use other product besides their own. Right. And, yes. um, it just so happened to happen to be our distinct product and launch with, you know, that those first original fly nets that people still love so much. So uh, it, it was a crazy, yeah. crazy, uh, time, you know, and I'm like, Instagram is just like new thing. And I'm like, yo, this is sick. You know, like it, it was really cool. Oh man, it's like a bygone era that I really truly miss. It was cool too because it, I think at least from my perspective, I was more in like the suiting and kind of menswear world and you had dudes starting to wear with suits with like fly knits, right? Because the silhouette of the fly knit was so mm -hmm. tight and narrow yep. that you would see dudes rocking that with like a double-breasted like Isaiah suit and all that stuff. And like, it felt like at that time, that was when street wear and like, tech wear for lack of a better term i mean like people were all of a sudden getting like more into like errolson hue and acronym and those early collabs were yes. starting to pop you know virgil was launching pyrex i mean it was kind of like a super hot moment it was a really hot moment and uh i was like damn this so it's on like the power of social media i was like this thing's pretty cool so you know kind of <laughs> just like stuck st stuck with the brand and uh you know like yeah. uh, again michael michael gave me an opportunity and said hey like you know even though you're not formally trained in clothes you know you have good ideas and you can help uh you know run this brand with me so you know did that for a few years uh moved out to la in the process was working in huntington beach for a while and then um 
the same time traveling a bunch i'm like going back and forth to china korea um japan australia you know like just like the brands like exploding and we're like getting popular in these countries and and you know i'm doing like you know design stuff production stuff events you know like just like enjoying the fruits of our labor more or less right and what's what does that do to your design language because i think a lot of people when they first discover i'm air quoting that word like japan and they they discover like asia and see how uh you know Tokyo and Japan does retail and designs clothes for a lot of people it's like this eureka moment in in like just like a different way of design did that happen with you uh you know what the first time i went was on a group trip with a bunch of friends from new york in like 2008 okay. and uh at that moment yes i was like oh shit now it all makes sense now uh i get why brands look the way they look and why um you know an adversity why american design is important in other places too sure so, you know so it kind of went both ways and you know started to you know kind of understand better and you know made some great friends over there i had a little dj career for a while dj'd a bunch in all over japan which was fun <laughs> so <laughs> uh sick. you know yeah i got to i got to really enjoy and honestly uh i can't wait to go back because i feel like it's not it's not going to be a while so yeah i mean there's still what it's i think it was like a two-week or a three-week quarantine now or something i mean it's yeah geez yeah i can't do can't do that with no kids kids in a business yeah but yeah <laughs> so so la you know like we're, i'm fucking working in huntington i'm coming home i'm fucking partying i'm like living this like la lifestyle Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, meanwhile, my friend, now my business partner, Vlad, we're doing the same shit. We're doing this together. We have long distance girlfriends at the time who are now our wives. And we're like, yo, this partying lifestyle has got to go. Like, this shit is not cool. Like, we're, we're, it's getting old. It's getting tired. It's getting boring. Let's right. Put, let's put our creative energy towards something else. Right. And, and we're like, all right, cool, whatever that idea kind of just sat for a while and then vlad's like yo uh i have this opportunity to run a pop-up shop with my friend edison chen so i'm like he goes we he goes let's let's launch our brand in 30 days let's cook up some ideas some of these ideas that you've been talking about i think we can make a brand let's let's launch it in this pop-up shop with uh you know with ed with plot with uh callie dewitt devon troy all these awesome people I mean, those are all like, that's like yeah. murder's row of cool guy. LA. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, all right, cool. Let's put, um, you know, an RP Morrissey shirt. Cause I heard that he was going to die. <laughs> right. So he's just like, bro, what? And I'm just like, you know, like it's kind of like the, you know, making RIP shirts for people who are alive. It's going to be this funny thing, yada, yada. Uh, you know, I was wild back then, you know, we were, we were, we were tossing around some wild ideas. And, um, before you know it, we launched and, you know, it sold out. People started to vibe with the product that we were making. They vibe with the name, the original name of the brand. I wanted to be damaged goods, uh, based, uh, based off of the gang of four, uh, song. Right. And Vlad, right. And, and Vlad said that name sucks. Nobody, <laughs> no, nobody will buy anything. That's just, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so, you know, we coined pleasures because, uh, you know, it relates to lots of things, you know, your lowest low, your highest high, your fucking, you know, sexual peak, your it's just lots of different emotions, right? 
Right, right. And we, and we kind of base the brand off of, you know, the stuff that we're into, our pop culture, our icons, our language versus that old streetwear language, which is, you know, didn't really relate to a lot of people, including myself and Vlad. Yeah. And I think like for you guys too, there was, you guys kind of helped shepherd in um, like ironic design, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. that was still good, you know, because I felt like maybe early before then people would wear or do like something that was kind of dumb, but it, it was dumb and you would keep it that way and you're like, ha and then they'd get rid of it. And like the, I mean, the, the Morrissey shirt, perfect example, like that's kind of like a super iconic shirt. I mean, it's in, in like, you guys were kind of like shepherding that sort of like, there was comedy in, in your design and it was good design. Thank you. Th- uh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, you have to have a sense of humor in, in any line of work. And I thought like, why not have a better display where it's like, you know, fashion can be funny to me. It was always funny, you know, yeah. Zoolan- Zoolander, all this stuff. I'm like, all right, like, bingo, you know, it's kind of just like, you know, we could have a voice. We can have this like humorous tone. And there's nobody saying like, yo, you can't fucking do that. You know, we're like, let's just do it and see what happens. We're small. You know, if we get a C and D or whatever, (laughs) it's it's fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, because that that was a huge deal too, because yeah, I mean, again, like it, yeah, like you would have brands, but they would be, it would be a guy, you know, running a big cartel store. You know, I mean, you had like fake merch style stuff. But you guys, you know, were like a proper brand that was existing in that. And what was really cool, and this is the thing I don't think you guys get credit for, is you kind of, because at the time on the internet, you see something, you're like, oh, this is cool, but I know it's connected to something. I just don't know what it's connected to. So people, because of what you had, would go on these rabbit hole journeys. You know, like there are people, believe it or not, who like learned about Nirvana from like stuff you guys were doing. Of course, you know, of and course. learning Even about like logo. old music, yeah. exactly yeah. right. And so, like that is really cool. <laughs> that that's a huge accomplishment. Thank you. And I mean, I mean, we started to see that we could use our brand as like an educational platform to put people on. You know, like I had a, a bunch of cooler older friends that put me on to, you know, different types of music when I was a kid. You know, like my brother took me to my first concert. I went to, to go see Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Your the, first uh, concert was Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, yeah. Which tour? Uh, uh, Pretty Hate Machine tour, nineteen ninety one. I was um, damn, oh, like not nine years old or something. And uh, he was babysitting me, and my brother took me to the show. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and uh, Prick opened up. Where I don't know what happened to him. But he was fucking cool too. And oh, uh, I just remember I was like, wow, this really kind of molded me for the rest of my life. You know? Yeah. And. Uh, I just got addicted to music and just like digging through, you know, records and talking to people at record stores and linking up with different friends and having that like OG music exchange, you know, making mixtapes for different friends and, you know, girls I wanted to talk to and stuff like that. Yeah. What was on your mixtapes? Oh man, it it really depends. It could be everything from, uh, you know, destiny's child to anal cunt it depends on who i'm it depends on who i'm making it for you know that's a polar extreme right there yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know but like uh you know every week uh for the past probably i don't know 200 weeks i've been making a playlist for the brand and uh you know sometimes it's really depending on how i feel and it's like sometimes it's grindcore sometimes it's r&b sometimes it's uh you know computer wave whatever it's just how i'm feeling at the moment you know do you think that the fact that you didn't really 
go to design school and have the more traditional, you know, air quote sort of um, education that it was much easier for you to kind of transcend, transcend different languages at the time? Um, yeah, because I guess I didn't have anybody telling me like, no, this is wrong. You know, exactly so kinda, right yeah, yeah yeah so 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 it's kind of just like you know i've always been looked at as somebody who had ideas and sometimes i always had a team of people to execute for me so this kind of the same format with me and vlad where we have ideas that we have graphic designers and illustrators and people bring that to life and i've always kind of been in that position so the formal education i guess was my education of on the street level working with people you know, mm. seeing like, okay, you know, like on the field training, I think was my uh, education, you know? And if you want to go to design school, that's cool. And if you don't, that's cool too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cause a friend of mine is a, is a designer and he, he's very, he designs with a lot of convictions because he mm. believes that that's the only way to design is to have these rules. And I remember like, we would always argue about, you know, well, now the late Virgil Abloh in which he would be frustrated, but like, you can't do this or you can't do this. You can't do this. And I'm like, what the, like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, like he thought like Bauhaus was God. And even though there was a lot of rebellion in Bauhaus, but like, like th that was, that was the sort of stuff. And I feel like, you know, you, you and pleasures and like the crew at that time, like you definitely, you kind of like repopularized merch culture uh, like comedy and irony all within clothes without trying to make it, you know, kind of like Vivian Westwood, Malcolm McLaren sort of stuff, like just like smashing it all together at the time. Yeah. It was kind of just like a big juxtaposition of like, wow, people aren't really doing this. There's so much to talk <laughs> about what, which, which way do we go? Right. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, just like speaking to all these different subcultures that other people weren't. And, you know, Virgil did a great job of that because those were his community of people too. And that's how you exactly. know, we all got connected as well. So it was just like, you know, really, really like still really bummed about, uh, you know, the, the loss. Cause I mm. really hope there's more people like him that could, you know, share information and put people on it in the way that he did on the level that he did, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Dude, I think it's all of our due diligence in this industry to, kind of carry the torch as a group and just keep continuing to put people on and educate and kind of just, uh, you know, work with his values the, the way that he did. Yeah. When, when did you realize that like pleasures was a thing? Well, you're like, this is, this is bigger than any of the stuff that I've done. I think it was like, uh, we had an opportunity to do like a fashion show and I'm like, fashion show, this shit is lame. This shit's weird. <laughs> Like in, especially in, especially in LA, I'm just like, all right. But then it was with, uh, <laughs> it, it was with our friend Guillermo from four, two, four. And I'm like, all right, like this, this guy knows what's up. Like, he's cool. This guy's fly. Like, there's like some experience like he, there. Yeah. There's some experience. <laughs> he's, he's doing some tailoring. He's doing some stuff like that's cool. And then they were like, all right, the models are going to be, uh, Wiz Khalifa, Taylor gang, high dollar sign chevy woods all this stuff and it's going to be this like production and a part of an event that people come to and i'm like all right so it's kind of like a concert kind of like a fashion show like this is cool and then like you know like uh, we had the opportunity from this company called made la it was like a festival with like music fashion culture kind of like that whole vibe and it was a success you know like you know athletes and celebrities and all these type of people were there and people were just getting rowdy and just having a good time. And it was like a concert slash show with like lighting and like, it was, it was fucking cool. And I'm like, damn, this is like a 
a real thing. So then I had, you know, shortly after that, I quit my job and, uh, wait, pump the brakes. You were still having another job at the time. I was still over at, uh, at publish. Yeah. Holy hell. I was still working and, 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 and Vlad was really holding it down on the, uh, pleasures front making sure that the e-commerce was working, making sure that the wholesale was getting done, just connecting all the dots, like being like, you know, still small, small business then, you know, so. But it took basically having a concert, massive art exhibit fashion show for you to be like, okay, maybe now I quit my job. <laughs> kinda, kinda, because it was like, uh, you know, I'd, I had one foot out the door. It was on like a freelance sure. basis too. So it was, you yeah. know, it was. I'm stretching it, a bit here, but yeah. <laughs> and, and inevitable. The exit was inevitable and it was, it, it was great and it was wonderful. And it was, it was the right move. Damn. That's crazy. And wait, wait, when was that show? Cause that was, I feel like that was somewhat recently, right? Was it like 20, mm, I don't know, all the years. 2017, I think. And, and that's when we yeah. launched this like checkered track pant. That like uh, was like kind of took off because you know the track pant wave was starting to get popular again, and you know just did some like easy uh, you know ode to like OG ska music type vibe track pants and before you <laughs> before you know it it's like Pete Davidson's wearing it and all these people like I'm just like all right this is wild yeah like because then your stuff's you know obviously it's all popping up on like Grailed and now like people are like trying to flip your stuff like. How did, like, how did you feel when that started to happen? Because that's like a different level of made it when people are now making more money off your stuff than you guys are. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I mean, at, at this point, um, I think I really understood it when we did our first pair of Crocs. And, you know, like the culmination of like early Crocs collaborations, the us, Balenciaga, Christopher Shannon, a few people had done them early. Yeah. And um, we're just like, those are the like the most valuable ones. And we still have the highest reselling skeleton croc price to this day. <laughs> they, they actually said it on a conference call the other day. I thought it was hilarious. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it's really cool to see. It's such a simple design. It's really like I used to go see the Misfits when I was a kid, and they used to paint the the toes of the skeleton on their boots. And I'm like, yo, we could do this on a croc. It's funny. It's like fifty bucks. It's hilarious. We should do it. And everybody at the office was kind of against me. And I'm like, yo, trust me on this one. Now it's like pretty iconic. Yeah, I am kind of curious about like the design conversations when decisions are made because that's like maybe the third time you referenced, oh yeah, it's funny, we should do it. Like like that like that is the cosine that makes it go like, no, no, it's funny, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, like it used to be like, hey, this is aggressive and provocative, but you know, times have changed. So now it's like, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, this is funny and playful and, and, and I think people will dig it and I think it has something to say, you know? So I, that's kind of where it is and it's kind of just like we put our design heads together and if we all feel good about it we kind of move forward and then usually if it's something weird that i'm trying to push i'm like hey guys just trust me kind of make it happen that way was any like particular person mentoring you through these things because when you're doing the collabs that you're doing when you're you know i mean obviously you had a lot of experience of just kind of like being in and around the industry but like the numbers and the and the zeros get bigger and bigger so like, was there anyone that was coming alongside you that was kind of maybe helping you figure out how to make something that had like an empire mindset versus this is cool and I can go buy a sick car now? Uh, no, I mean, like uh, definitely just like, uh, you know, people in the industry, like uh, giving us pointers, I would say, and just right, like, kind of right. like 
and honestly, like shouts out to our accountants for really giving us the the tools that we need and the understanding to get to where we're at. And honestly, I think I've learned the most from them. Um, just like on how business works and how to, you know, do things properly and how to scale, you know? Yeah. Um, as far as like collaborations go, because collaboration is such a weird thing. People are like, how does this brand do all these fucking projects all the time? Like, how does this work? I had, I had a really cool mentor for that. This guy, uh, Paul Ruffles from Manchester. He was the original founder of Size. Whoa. And um, just like a really cool dude awesome dude that we hit it off years ago that had met at a trade show in las vegas and we just became friends and you know he's he's really like explained to me over the years like hey these are the proper way to go about these projects and as far as like this is the way things work and all that and with so i kind of learned from him and he and he's done so many he's worked with everybody you know now he's the uh, head of uh, merrill damn yep so he uh he does all the cool projects for merrill and, and okay. they're making they're making great stuff right now. No, dude, they are. I think it's funny because like you know that you do you're doing really well. Like Crocs is a great example, Merrill's a great example, into which you have four or five different like subsects, subsets, I don't even know the right word, of people that are loyal customers, but for four or five radically different reasons. You have people that wear crocs because they're like, you know, oh, my wife bought them for me, or my partner bought them for me. You have people that are wearing them because they're trying to be ironic. Do you have people that are wearing them because yeah, they genuinely yeah. think they're the coolest thing ever? You have people that are wearing them, you know, because they're colorful. And, you know, so you have all these different things and all those people care about it and are purchasing it for a very strong reason. But none of them really know why the other person wears it, you know, or it's like and I think like that's like the, the new hallmark of success is you have like five or six different types of customers that are crazy about your stuff for each their own reason <laughs> absolutely it's like our 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 fan base and our customer base is so vast and it's just like there's no there's no rhyme or reason behind it you know it's like uh teenagers to you know senior citizens and people <laughs> you know you know it's like it's wild it's, it's it's really cool to see you know like and we encourage people to take photos of other people when they see it in public and it's just like the 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 user content that we get is just unreal yeah i mean because that's like to be honest what keeps watches and luxury going other than like absurdly high marketing spend you know is like building like a generational client into your brand and they they might all enter at different points in their life but they stay locked into the brand i mean like patek philippe and rolex and all these companies are an amazing example of that in the sense that like yeah a senior citizen buying or an older person buying a Patek Philippe is very different than a young guy doing it, but they're both buying it because they love it and care about it. And for me, I think like uh, Ralph Lauren is like that, you know, Boom. like I feel like that's that brand that, you know, has been with me since day one and I still gravitate toward it, whether it's from reference, whether it's from what's in my closet or old photos of myself and my friends growing up. It's just, it's just that consistent. That's always been there. What is it that you think that Ralph got right? Because right now, as you're talking about that, it's it's nostalgia that you're hitting on. And but what do you think now that they did you know, in hindsight that you look at and you're like, oh, that's how I need to kind of be thinking about with my brand? I think they touched upon all these different lifestyles that people wanted to be attached to. Mm, you know, okay. whether it was like, you know, sailing or uh golf or horseback riding or Yeah, aspirational you know, things 
aspirational things and like when you were you felt aspirational you know to the point where like you know i used to steal it in high school as well because i couldn't afford it you know so stuff sure. like that where, where it's just like it was so tight that you had to have it and uh it was also playful you know like the bear is still playful to me you know like a lot of these things were like you know right. people people like overlook it and like ma- like you know masculine masculinize uh, the the bear but it's just like this playful thing that's just can be so many different things you know like the, like the bear on the beach it's like it's funny it's, it's not like tough you know yeah i remember walking through one of the ralph exhibits like because basically when they show collections you know they bring you into the to 650 madison and it's like mm-hmm. jerry or some, you know virage or someone there and they're kind of walking you through like and this is this collection and this is this and they obviously all look radically different and I remember, and I was with, uh, this is not a flex, I was with like Waco and Jerry's like walking us through it, Jerry Lauren. Mm. And Way was like, you know, what is it that's like kind of tying all this stuff together? And Jerry like laughed and he's like, it's us. He's like, it's Ralph Lauren that ties it together. He's like, but the biggest thing is that any of this stuff that you put on, he's like, you feel better about yourself when you're wearing yes. it. Yes, yes. And I was like, shit, <laughs> like my whole world zoomed out. I'm like, yeah, like you're, you feel, you feel better. You feel wealthier than whatever you feel, you know, more accepted by having that on. You feel regal. There you, you go. Know? Yeah, that's the, yeah. that's the word. And, um, you know, it's just, again, back to Japan. When you go to Japan, I went to a store called Safari in Kowanji. And okay. it was just like the biggest collection of like, polo clothing but also ephemera that i've ever mm. seen all these little trinkets and just like stuff that i didn't even know existed it was fucking it's nuts i'm sure this is, i hope the store's still there i don't know but it was it was sick well i, w- I want to jump to a series of random questions here so there's a no right or wrong way to answer these as as we move to um if you were making a youtube how-to video what would the subject be i think i would do a youtube uh video on how to make a playlist uh, it could be about like flow and, you know, from uh, taking somebody on like a musical journey, whether like you're in a car, like you said, or something like that, because uh, it's not just a bunch of songs slapped together, kind of like a journey of tracks. And that's the way that I uh, curate music. So I, you know, I, I think that everybody kind of has their own little vibe, their own little style, but it could be like a little blueprint to uh, help that. Holy shit. That's a really good answer. Thank you. <laughs> um, what, what's the last movie you saw that you liked? I kind of liked Pig with with Nicolas Cage. Oh, okay. That, that um, you know what that actually makes sense. Yeah, I think I know I'm, what you're talking I'm, about. I'm on this little bootleg server, and it was on there. Plex. And uh, uh, yeah. Yep. And, okay. Uh, yep. 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 And it was on there. And uh, I said, my wife was uh, out with the baby, and I said, "All right, I'm I'm gonna watch this shit." <laughs> and uh, it's about Nicolas Cage was was like this amazing uh, world renowned chef. And then uh, had some problems, became a recluse, but his uh, his only friend in the woods of Portland or the woods of Oregon was this pig. And somebody stole the pig because it was one of the best truffle pigs ever. And it became this whole thing. It, it was actually pretty interesting. Yeah, it's like a John Wick kind of thing a bit. Yes, yes. And then <laughs> I also, uh, on my flight back from Milan recently, uh, you know, I've watched movies on the airplane. That's like yeah. my thing, you know, that's all you can really do. But uh, the Depeche Mode uh, documentary that came out a couple of years ago. 
Oh, okay. About six different people whose lives were extremely changed by Depeche Mode, and they all went to Germany to go to their last show. And it was so touching. I found myself almost crying on the airplane. It was, uh, it was, it was a moving film. It was very emotional. It was Damn. Uh, awesome. I, I highly recommend it. I think it was like Standing with the Trees or something it was called. I, I forgot the name, but it's the most recent Depeche, Depeche Mode documentary. It's great. I cry like all the time watching anything. I cry watching British Bake Off, man. Oh I'm my just... God. It's always on at my house. <laughs> I can't. I I can't I can't and then like it ignites my sweet tooth and then I start watching it and I'm just like oh my god dude it's a masterclass in how to give and receive feedback kind of yeah it it really is and, and like those judges are 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 unbelievable yeah but like I mean I'm shocked that they're able to do things like this is not your finest work or you know what this is disappointing and the people are like yeah you're right and it's like there's there's no emotion into it and it's almost weird because i feel like that shit would never flies in america because someone you know if someone makes a criticism of someone you're like you take it personal you're thinking maybe they're criticizing you know you're coming at the whole family you're doing all these things and it's like just about the food just about you it's taken received and evolved it's really interesting i mean Um, that's what people should take away from it and uh you know maybe understand british culture a little bit more too yeah, I know, which is mind blowing because British culture is generally not embracing of any emotions <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> um, what's the last thing you bought online? Bought a piece of art from the Hello. artist uh, Barnett Cohen. Uh, he did a, a series of canvases that were uh, from found stickers from around the world over over a period of time, and it's all based on like color and gradient. And it's really really sick check them out oh wow yeah Yeah. i've been trying to like my my vibe lately has been i mean i don't have the money for all this but has been trying to buy art and furniture like i've i spend and had spent so much on clothes you know we had i was saying earlier we had like a covid move and got a house and i'm like why in the hell did i waste decades of my life just trying to like cop johns and get clothes i'm like i should have been buying chairs and paintings (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know, and you know what the people the people who did uh, choose that path are are looking uh uh like rich geniuses right now because because oh, the yeah. market is because the market is crazy and uh luckily I, I've made some smart home uh purchases, homeware purchases. So I feel That's pretty good. good about it. What's yeah, what's yeah. a smart homeware purchase you made? Um I like a Prouvé like, chair. Uh, no, no, like um, you know, I, I I bought some decent chairs over the years. First, I guess that first Tom Sachs chair that people oh, still kind of saw it after, even though he remade a bunch of them. But like that first series, damn. Um, okay, uh, this this beautiful standing desk that I'm on right now. Oh, um, yeah. Oh yeah. The stand the standing desk is a game changer. I'm about uh, three and a half years in on a standing desk. I do not sit at work, even when I eat, and I think it helps me. Uh, burn calories and stay productive throughout the day. Yeah, you definitely, I mean, my posture is complete shit because I'm sitting at a desk. Like I'm, I'm just like hunched forward so much that I like go see a trainer a couple times a week and he recommended I get that, uh, I get like that, like back brace thing. He's like, wear it at home. You know, you don't have to be out in public. Yeah. And it kind of helps with your back and it keeps your, keeps your shoulders pulled back. And yeah. You know, I I have a natural hunch. I'm, I'm six, six. You're six six. Yeah. 
Can you dunk? Well, uh, on a good day, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> to me, that's yeah. that's what success is in life. It's not a car. It's not a house. It's can you dunk a basketball? You're in. You I, you won. <laughs> I know. I was I was at the Laker game last night, and I'm not really a LeBron fan. I will say that, but he just he just went off. It was it was, it was crazy. Yeah, I love I love basketball. Basketball is definitely uh, one of the sports that I enjoy the most, for sure. Yeah. Well, who's your team? I don't have a team. I go by players. You know, I got some fantasy basketball leagues. Oh, okay. Shouts out to uh, the Lifestyle League, fantasy basketball. We got some. We got some characters in there. Damn. Yeah. I never did. I did fantasy football, but then realized I don't really care for football, and I don't do any other fantasy sports, but. I love basketball. I'm still technically a Nets ticket holder, even though I don't live there anymore. I went to a Nets game a couple of weeks ago with my buddy Mike Sherman. Oh, hell and, yeah. And uh, yeah, we sat uh, pretty much courtside-ish, and mm-hmm. uh, it was awesome. It was so much fun. I just wish Kyrie would uh, make a decision. And, uh, Jeez. <laughs> we're not going to go there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's funny because I remember I was like, we had gotten tickets and obviously like the first nets when they were the Brooklyn nets, it was like Darren Williams. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a big deal. And I, so I get excited and then get my dreams crushed. Cause then they're like, yo, they're getting KG and Paul Pierce and they're going to, you know, they're spending all this money. It's going to be a championship team. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's happening. And obviously it doesn't. And then, you know, KD and Kyrie and all that. And so I'm, I feel like uh, I'm just getting brought to, happiness and getting crushed all the time i don't know if the nets will bring get rings i think they will eventually uh they're on they're on a good path um i grew up going to new jersey nets games okay so you're a jason kidd guy jason kidd uh Derek coleman kenny anderson got to see drazen petrovich when i was a kid you know definitely saw jordan a bunch of times so uh you know shots to the nets it it was a weird move it was a weird move at first but now now i respect it and after going to uh, barclays and really seeing the vibe and the energy it was it's dope i like it yeah um what is a movie or book that when someone mentions you feel they understand you um movie i would say i really relate to the movie rushmore really are you a wes anderson guy Uh, you know what i i like some of his films not all of them but i like some of them Okay. You know? Okay. And and I just really like the uh you know, character development of Bill Murray and just uh Jason Sportsman and just the vibe and the color and the soundtrack and just everything about it is kind of just speaks to me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Damn, Rushmore, that's that's an interesting one. Never would have pegged that. Um, and then and then and then as far as books go, I guess one of my all time favorites would be uh on the road, Jack Kerouac. I don't know. I just I, shit. I just, okay. I just always gra- I just always gravitate toward it. I reread it on a flight, I don't know, maybe like a year ago or something. Yeah. But uh it's just like I don't know, it talks about a lot about emotion and just yourself and you know, you have something to dig deeper than yourself to bring out your best work or your best, your best self or your, you know, do you have a Bob Dylan album that goes along with that experience? <laughs> you know, we did a project with Bob Dylan and, uh, you know, his label and that was pretty cool. And he actually like, you know, approved our project and gave us great feedback and really kind of just like, uh, got to talk about, uh, his, his legacy, you know, and, and people early on were just like, Bob Dylan, what the hell? 
thought you guys were like punk rock. And I'm like, this fool is punk rock. You don't understand. It's just different. You know? Uh, how did I miss that? Holy shit. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. And it's, it's actually pretty cool. And honestly, people still ask for it. Cause it's like clean. It's like, um, uh, amazing artwork, you know, some of his original hands, uh, handwriting. It's just like a really cool, like fun project where people are, get to be like, Oh, this is Bob Dylan. He's not some, you know, you know, I, this random person I see images of on the internet. He's actually way more than a musician, you know? Yeah, I'm during the pandemic, I went down just a crazy rabbit hole of like musician biographies. Um, I mean, I went through a ton of Beatles stuff, two different Dylan bios, uh, some Paul Simon bios, um, a bunch of Beach Boys things like Brian Wilson, then like ones that were all about like specific albums that were recorded, um, like Pet Sounds, like the whole recording of Pet Sounds and stuff like that. Like yep. that, man, that shit blew my mind. I know. And then, like, I was digging deep in, like, you know, Britpop documentaries and, like, the the Pulp uh, documentary, Jar- Jarvis Cocker and, like, Richard Ashcroft, you know, Verve, like, YouTube documentary and just, like, all that shit. Like, I don't know. I, I'm I'm obsessed with, like, Britpop. Uh, that's, I'll say it. <laughs> that's okay. I don't think there's anyone that would ever come at you for liking Pulp. You're not, you ain't going to get busted no, for that. No, no, um, no. no. Okay, so so what's next? What's happening with pleasures right now, or shit, just with you? Yeah, I mean, uh, with me, I'm uh, going to spend more time in Arizona. Uh, I didn't mention it before, but I am a part of a acupuncture and cupping facility out there called Mount Sunny. Oh yeah. Um, oh shit. What's it? Uh, dude and his wife used to work at Three Sixteen. Yep, Spencer and Shelby. Yeah, they Spencer. Are. It, yeah, it, it is. It is their brainchild. It is their baby. They fully operate the business, and I'm kind of just in the shadows, uh, assisting and helping out. Yeah, but I mean, they they so, turned into like a brand style too. Like they had merch. Still, yep. I guess they still have merch, you know. But I mean, I take the uh, Wingard. I mean, I take that shit every day. Wingard, Wingard is amazing. Uh, Yin Return is like the uh, all, all natural might all. You yeah. know, like uh, there's. You know, supplements is the definitely the future of the brand, uh, more so than clothing. Yeah. And the services, you know, like if you haven't got cupping or acupuncture, Shelby is an absolute wizard and will change your life and get you back to where you should be. Yeah. Damn, that's yeah. sick. So you're gonna be you're gonna be in Arizona more. What else happening? I'm gonna be in Arizona more. Uh Spencer uh worked on some f- some footwear with EMA. Okay. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think DMA, DM, I, I don't know. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So there's like a very like desert focused footwear coming out, which is kind of random, but you know, we're, we're trying to do more outdoor projects, hikes, yoga, stuff like that. Yeah. What's, what's the deal with that? All of a sudden everyone is like, thinks they're super in touch with the outdoors and they're like meditating in some dirt and, you know, trying to talk about <laughs> their, their moon rising and shit. Everyone got well, super if, spiritual. You know, I think, um, you know, when things happen in life, people are turning to alternative ways. You know, sometimes religion is not the answer. You sure. Know? Uh, I'm not religious. My wife is. So, you know, I, I kind of pay attention to what's going on and what she believes in, but also just looking at alternative ways to 
find yourself and feel better. And I think that, you know, what Mount Sunday doing is good work. And that's why I want to be a part of it. Damn. You know, like, uh, yeah, it's really, it's, it's really like a feel good project working with good people that I believe in. And now that I'm in a position to help people with their ideas, you know, like people helped me, that's like, this is like the next wave of business for me. Uh, what, what else, what else we got going on? Um, I'm excited to go back to Paris for men's fashion week, you know, uh, Virgil kind of knocked down the door for streetwear brands to just kind of show up and do showrooms and kind of just, uh, be welcomed by everybody. And we've been doing it for, uh, you know, three, four years now. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a success. So I'm excited to get back out to, uh, Paris and show everybody what we've been working on. You know, we have some amazing footwear projects coming up. One of them being with Doc Martens. We're con- continuing our Doc Martens uh, partnership. Okay. For me, that's that's probably the footwear that speaks to me the most uh, beyond sneakers. You know, like Doc Martens was like my, you know, crossover shoe when I was a kid when I didn't want to wear sneakers. Which which Doc uh, Martens? Just the, uh, I guess, the 1460, just the regular lace-up 3i. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that. I mean, that was the, the classic sort of stomper. Yeah, because like I wasn't a type to wear something high above my legs. I'm I'm a tall dude. It's kind of weird. So I was always like the low top, uh, fourteen sixty black. Right, right, you know? right, right. You know, just a simple, the simple one. Yeah, like yeah. I had. Um, I remember everyone at my school was. Do you remember it was like the? It looked it was like a frogman boot or some sort of boot where it's like the. It was a it was a boot, but the the lacing went really really close to the toe, and the toe was super round. Almost like there's like Wrangler style boots, like uh, Justin's uh, boot boot company makes stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was I, I had that, and I remember like really, really, um, like loving that shoe a ton, and like that was also like that was kind of like the status symbol sort of shoe at my school. Is like you had to have the. F- faded freaking Abercrombie jeans and um then the <laughs> then like the the perfect like dock boots i mean that was just that was such a jam for sure yeah um and then another project is i'm uh, going to work on an album and start making my own music with one of my friends who's very musically inclined that has convinced me uh that you know the way that I work to make clothes is I can make music the same way. And um, I'm going to basically be creating an instrumental album with a friend of mine. Wait, that's not... <laughs> ex- explain this. Uh, basically, uh, going to make like uh, a soundtrack of emotions uh, okay. that can be played, you know, like kind of like without giving away too much, you know, it's like my Fair. friend is an amazing person producer and you know probably can play about 30 different instruments and you know for me i can want to you know dictate the tempo the vibe the sound but yeah it's a new venture for me and i'm excited and um you know after djing for a lot of years i was like you know i've gained an ear for what sounds good and what people are into so i think i could put my own spin on something that's uh instrumental ambient maybe unique i don't know let's see dude man so it's funny because i was talking about this with guy berryman the dude from coldplay and applied art forms in which we talked about like nowadays uh and especially it's it's around the comment that ralph lauren has said in the sense that you should never really focus specifically on designing clothes you the it's more about designing a world 
And in that world, mm-hmm. you have furniture, you have art, you have architecture, you have music, you have uh, food. Um, and then obviously, you know, in, in the context of what he was saying is if, if you think about the world more, the clothes kind of help design themselves because now, now you're designing for function. You're designing, you know, and that being said, it's really cool to see, I mean, cause music has always been a part of pleasures and you, you know, for your career, but it's cool to see people really starting to embrace that more. Um, I mean, but making music is very different than curating music. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I think it's going to be a, a unique process. You know, it's like uh, we all can learn from that Beatles documentary that, you know, the, and no, but, you know, <laughs> okay. like the the process of making music is kind of fucking boring, right? And it's, it's, a, it's a lot of... Uh, sitting around and it's a lot of retakes and it's a lot of uh, uh you know like it, it's just you know the memes for that documentary are hilarious you know it's like the truth <laughs> the truth about band practice right yeah but yeah i mean we'll see where it goes you know we got some studio time booked out in the new year so we'll see where it goes that's that's really cool seriously and and i think there's just like a lot of people that are just kind of just like they've given me the confidence to say hey you can really do anything you want in in life you know there's not really anybody saying no no that's where i'm just like fuck it let's just let's go for it i mean especially if you have if you have someone that's helping you out that has music experience and you're able to go do it in a good environment i mean i mean that's that's to be honest what made music good like in the 70s right it was just you didn't have the ability to do it i mean i'm not like a big garage band guy like the app but the fact that it made so many people able to write and record and made access easier like it's it's still huge i know people are making music on their phones nowadays you know so it's like i'm not saying i'm going to do that yeah, you know sure, we're definitely going to be in in the, in the studio with lots of uh different equipment but um yeah i'm, I'm stoked and segueing into equipment um pleasures is going to be creating their first musical instrument uh yeah i'm excited we're, we're working on a roland synthesizer uh, with, uh, role with obviously with Roland, but with also with James Lavelle from, uh, uncle. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Wait. Okay. So how do these collabs happen? Because like, this is extremely specific yet incredibly random at the same time. Like uncle is very legit and OG, but it's not like Billy Eilish, right? Like, it's not like, yeah. you know, some sort of like very, very mainstream. And then Roland obviously makes music hardware, keyboards, pianos, uh, you know, the infamous drum machines. But then a collab with you, I mean, all of these, these are, it's a triangle with all different polar extremes here. All right. Well, let's, we can start quickly with Roland, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, a friend of a friend got hired to handle like some of their marketing. Okay. They said they wanted to do more brand collaborations and that our brand somebody pitched them our brand that would make sense and we're like yo let's uh celebrate the 808 and do like a whole project based around that we had a rolling launch and it was a huge success you know people in the music industry were like feeding for it you know all these other you know companies started reaching out to us but we're like yo rolling's kind of cool they have this like different type of vibe and their 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 sounds are different than any other sounds you know right 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 yeah so you know Fast forward to COVID, be, uh, you know, became, you know, Vlad and I had reached out to James just on DM, like, hey, just let, you, you know, just like your vibe. We're just a big fan of what you do. And 
you know, can we send you some clothes or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And which we normally don't do. And he was like, yo, you guys are the new wave. Like, fuck with you guys. Like, you're not on some cool guy shit. You're on some other shit. Okay. That's got to feel good. Let's, let's, let's let's get on a a call and, you know, chop it up for fucking talking, you know, (laughs) talking about like our history with the brand and our personal histories and our love for music and he's just like i'm down to do a project with you guys you know pitch me some ideas and before you know we have a clothing project as well with the uh the instrument and uncle uncle is uh you know uh alias his uh stage name yeah yeah is uh music uh i guess curation you know and uh that's you know he's working on some music for that so we're going to help promote that and Gonna try to put on a show with him someday. Have a bunch of special guests. You know, who knows? Tom York might show up. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say, Rabbit in Your Headlights, I think, is like many people's, you know, lonesome drives of emotion. (laughs) Unbelievable video as well. Um, Yeah. Just like that, that first uh, Uncle album, you know, is, is unreal. And obviously, people know about it because of the artwork unfortunately right people identify because of the future artwork but if you actually listen to the music it's unfucking real and i think that kind of what we want to teach kids is like yo this is one of the best musical curators of our time here's the history of moax yeah here's what uncle's about you know all that so um well alex huge huge pleasure i'm really glad we got to do this uh It was lovely to meet you, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. We're edited by Marlowe, and our theme music by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you heard, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review on Spotify. Leave I don't care. Do whatever you want. Send me a postcard. Follow us on Instagram for all the hot content. And if you want to talk to us and give us your hot take, we'd love to hear from you. The phone number is in the show notes. Leave us a message and we'll put it in a future episode. Or email us, info at blamopod.com. If you want to hang with us and join the Blam fam, visit patreon.com forward slash blamo, where we have tons of exclusive episodes and our amazing Slack community. All right, we'll see you next week. <laughs>